So as many of you know, as we uh, jump into it tonight, we are in the midst of a series of talks that we've been in for a few weeks now that's simply entitled Capitalism, A Story of Love and or Hate. And um, up to this point, it's important to remember, I think it's important to point out that kind of where we've been and, and really the main kind of thrust of this series in a lot of ways is working to understand and remember that capitalism, yes, is this thing that we all live in. It's an economic uh, marketplace, politics kind of system that we all find ourselves within. But in the midst of that, what it's impor what's important to note is that capitalism in and of itself is a belief system. It's a choice for how we're choosing to see ourselves and the world around us. And just like any belief system, the choice that we're making within that is one that is communicating this is potentially the best and most beautiful way forward. So I'm going to lean into these tenets of belief of what capitalism would preach, uh, I guess, without a better word. And so many of us have grown up in this culture of capitalism, and it's just what we know. It's just what we've experienced. And for some of us, it's still the best thing out there. And so we're kind of championing that. But for us with this series, to first and foremost understand, okay, it's a belief system. And just like any other belief system, maybe we hold up other ideas, other belief systems, and ask ourselves the question, is there something good, true, and beautiful here that maybe capitalism would have some brokenness to it? And for us specifically as CMYK, those teachings and those beliefs revolve around the person and the life of Christ. And so we've kind of been holding up these two things and just asking, okay, are there some things behind the teachings and the life of Christ that would influence the way we find our lives here in this capitalist culture? But what's important to note in that, as I've said a couple times, is more than just trying to bring in uh, other kind of ideas. In other words, okay, we live in capitalism, so let's talk about socialism, or let's talk about Marxism, or let's talk about communism, and trying to say, let's bring that into the United States of America. That's not the conversation that we're having. And there's a lot of reasons why that's not the conversation that we're having, but one of them is because we're just a small community here in Billings, Montana, and we don't feel like it's our role or purpose to get together to overthrow the uh, United States of America and their government and politics and economics system. That's not what we're here to do. If that's why you're here, I'm sorry you're about to be really disappointed. Uh, but we believe that in the midst of capitalism or in the midst of whatever kind of system, whatever kind of government is set up, that the invitation of Christ is to find something beautiful, something to lean into that would matter in the midst of whatever's happening. So as capitalism is a thing, yes, how are we to live in the midst of it? That's the conversation that we're having with this series. And tonight I want to talk about something um, that I think most of us at, a most, at our most basic level would find compelling. An idea that whether you're for capitalism or against it, it's an idea that most of us would go, yeah, I like that. That's, that would be cool. <laughs> but it's an idea that I think many of us would struggle to actually see. It's an idea that's actually found throughout a lot of texts of Scripture. And it's an invitation. And particularly, I want to look at a passage of Scripture that's found in the Old Testament, known in this section as the law. In other words, anybody that's going to choose to see the Scriptures as relevant and significant for their life, anybody that's working to follow God, that this would be something that you would see as a command, something that you do in your life that God is commanding you to do. And it's a really interesting thing. Deuteronomy chapter 15, starting verse 7, says this, If among you one of your brothers should become poor, in any of your towns within your land that the Lord your God has given you, you shall not harden your heart or shut your hand against your poor brother, but you shall open your hand to him and lend him sufficient for his need, whatever it may be. The idea is this. 
that within this world that you can easily kind of categorize people, humanity, in one of two categories. There are those that have, those that uh, are with money, wealth, possessions, these kinds of things. And there are people without, people the have-nots in the world. And the invitation, the command of Scripture, is that someone that is in the have category, someone that's holding something in their hands, if you come across someone that is in the have-not category, that you give to them sufficient for their need. In other words, you are supplying them with what you have so that all of a sudden that person in the have-not category, that person in the without category, they find themselves in the same category as you. That everybody would be on an even playing field. Everybody would be found in the haves category. It goes on a couple verses later and says this, you shall give to him freely and your heart shall not be grudging when you give to him. Because for this, the Lord your God will bless you in all your work and in all that you undertake. For they will never cease to be poor in the land. Therefore, I command you, you shall open wide your hand to your brother, to the needy, and to the poor in your land. And so there's something else behind this. Not only is it, are we giving to someone in need that all of a sudden everybody's in the haves category, but that there is this divine work, that the presence and the work of God is to recognize that invitation that you are accepting in your life and to bless and to be a part of your life in a unique way because of your choice to lean into this kind of command. Now, this is a picture. The idea of the world being separated into the haves and the have-nots, but then all of a sudden the haves gives to the have-nots, and so all of a sudden everybody's on the same playing field. Everybody has. That's an idea, an ideal that most of us would get behind, right? Say, like, that's beautiful. That would be really, really, like, we could just share what we have, and all of a sudden, there's no needy people. There's no starving people. There's no cold people. Like, we're able to take care of one another. That's awesome. But there's a reality to my life, and I think a reality to our lives that we need to recognize. As beautiful and awesome as this is, we live in a country where we are the most prosperous nation on the wor- in the world. And by many stretches, people would say we're the most prosperous nation ever on planet Earth. In other words, we have more than anyone ever at any time on planet Earth. But yet, as a country and a nation, there are still people that are starving to death. There are still people that the weather's turning and getting cold And this winter, we can project how many people will probably freeze to death because they don't have a warm place to stay. We have so much, but yet we live in a place where something like medical bills become this trauma experience in our life because we know if something happens, there's the potential that I won't have enough and it could literally take my life and take everything from me. And yet we're the most prosperous nation in the world. There, there's something as beautiful and awesome as this picture of scripture is. And as, as most of us in this room would say, yes, let's do it. Let's see it happen. There's a disconnect somewhere. And that disconnect lives in my own heart and life as well. That as much as I lean into and want to see my life as, yes, I have. I'm, I'm, in, I'm in the haves category. But when I experience someone that's in a have not category, 
It is easy for me to justify and find my life rather than giving freely like the scriptures would invite, rather than giving sufficiently so that they are in a haves category. I easily find myself saying, well, I don't know. And I spend my time working hard to accumulate and go after more. Why? Now, to answer this question why, I think it's important to note there's a lot of different reasons why. <laughs> there are so many different reasons why. And this would be a really, really long series and really long talk to try and talk about all those reasons why we're the most prosperous nation in the land and this is still happening. I get that. But I think what's important to note is that there's something broken and disconnected in me and to address that first. In other words, we could spend this evening just pointing our fingers at why this is happening. We could point our fingers, well, it's the Democrats, it's their fault. It's the Republicans, it's their issue and their problem if they would just. It's the rich billionaires, it's the 1%, or it's the poor if they would just, you know, get it together. There's so many different people and systems that we could point at, yes, that are probably honestly influencing this equation, yes. But what I know is that I could spend the rest of my life coming against all these different systems and maybe never see much happen. But I also know I can spend some time and energy addressing myself and potentially see something happen and be a part of a story that I think Scripture invites us into that matters and is significant. And so why do we find ourselves in this place? And I think the answer for me and for most of us is even if we're in the haves category, and we experience someone that is in the have-not, we would look at what's in our hand and we say, yeah, but I, I don't have enough. Maybe someday, maybe somehow, maybe somewhere, but right now I just don't have enough. And so I want to talk about that tonight. And I want to talk honestly about it. I want to be as candid as we can about this topic and concept because I think it's important. But I also think it's important that we talk practically about it. How, how do we actually go about this practically in our lives? Because it's not just an ideal that we throw up or we talk about, but it's something that we actually are focused on seeing implemented if we believe it's the most beautiful way forward in our lives. And so as many of you know, this is a part, this idea, we have enough, is a pillar of the CMYK community. And we're working hard to give away everything that we can give away to those in need around us because we, we want to lean into this as much as we can. But more than us as a community, more than a system or a structure that we have, I think the power of this is only found when every single one of us in this room are individually addressing this issue of we have enough and working to say, okay, I'm in the haves, who are the have-nots, and how can I help and serve and sufficiently, freely give what they have, or I can give what I have to them. And so to help in that conversation, to help us all individually address that, I thought rather than me talking about it, we should invite a couple of leaders within our community that they and their story in life have been wrestling with this, I think, in a lot of unique and uh, some long-term ways, in some ways that I think would hopefully be really helpful and beneficial for us. So would you please welcome Mr. Andrew Lindy and Ethan Canyon as they come up to just share and talk about this tonight with us. You can bring your beer. You, yep, yep. Last, yeah, last week I drank out of Andy's beer, and he's sitting over there tonight. Okay, that makes sense. All right. Oh, thanks, man. <clears throat> so, gentlemen, um, thanks so much for doing this. Um, talking about money can always be an interesting conversation. So we're about to have an interesting conversation. So thanks for doing this. I brought backup <laughs> this week. Who's your back? Oh, because last week it was just you, and now you've got Ethan with you. Yeah. I'm sorry I destroyed you last week. <laughs> Just joking. Uh, anyways. I'm, I'm the wingman. <laughs> so here's a question for both of you. Um, do you have enough? 
Are you someone that looks and says, I'm in the haves category? Yes. Way to go. <laughs> uh, yeah, mo most certainly. Yeah. Mo more than enough, frankly. Yeah. So you, you're both in that category. Um, do you find it to be an easy thing to look at this scriptural narrative and say, well, yeah, that makes sense. And of course, I'm going to give away what I have to those in need around me um, because you have enough. No. Okay. <laughs> uh, for, for me, I think the, that scripture is very interesting. Even reading it, listening to you go through it again tonight, um, just made me think more about a few points in it. I mean, it talks about people that someone in your community could become poor, but it doesn't talk about why they became poor. Yeah. Um, I think I find myself a lot of times in that category of trying to figure out if somebody that's in need is in the right kind of need to deserve for, for me to open up my hand mm -hmm. and, and give to them. Um, even if it's in, within my own family, uh, probably especially if it's in, within yeah. my own friends and family, it's like, oh, well, I hear that you need it, but you know, maybe this is good medicine for you, that sort of thought process. Um, so yeah, it's, it's really hard for me. I think it's uh, easy because I think you can do that. And by doing that, you can tithe 10% and like you can say, well, I actually tithe 13%. And you check that box and then you just have a bunch of more other money in your life. Mm -hmm. I think that's broken because there's no sacrifice there. And this the idea of generosity, if if tithing 10% all of a sudden becomes super easy for you, and then you just spend the rest of your money on a jet ski, which Andy loves jet skis, um, <laughs> then, then I, don't think you're I don't think you're accomplishing that piece. So I think it is easy, but there's a sacrifice piece missing. So, but, so you're defining easy as there's this biblical narrative that many of us have heard before. You, you give or you tithe 10%. So whatever you make, first 10% goes to the church or religious organization or, or something. You give it outside to the Lord's work. And so you're saying that that potentially becomes easy because you, let's say you make a million dollars a year and you tithe 10%. So way to go. You're giving a lot of money away, but it's, it's easy to live off of 900,000. That's what you're saying? Yeah, I think it'd be easy to not live off 900,000. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and, I th and I think there's something deeper that God's calling us to. Yep. And I think if you're just giving 100 grand, which... I'm not. Uh, you're missing something. Yeah. So um, when we talk about this idea of uh, having enough, and you both say that that's something you do have, um, what does that look like for you? Is it because you have a roof over your head and you ate breakfast and lunch today, and so you're winning, you have enough? Or is it you've drawn a line in the sand and said, okay, I'm going to live off of, you know, Let's say, for example, $40,000 a year, anything above $40,000 a year, I'm going to give away. Um, what does enough actually look like in your life? Uh, so for, for myself and my wife, it's been over the past few years, we've, had, we've come into a few different situations where we've had to, um, or I guess been put in positions where we've, had, we've looked at things and, and thought, wow, we, we really have enough. Um, and there was a time a few years ago where uh, Clementine uh, kind of unexpectedly um, stopped working. So we had two full-time full incomes, mine and hers. She stopped working. So poof, there's one income gone. And we were fine. 
And, you know, that was probably, I don't know what percentage of, of our overall income was, but it was, it was more than 10%, and we were fine. Um, didn't have any challenges with paying bills, with doing the things that we always did, even eating out, things like that. So, um, so in those instances, it has made us realize uh, how we certainly had enough, um, if that was kind of how things played out. So I think that's, uh, that's shown. It, and for us, I, I think if I look back at my own life a long time ago or with other people that I, I know that are struggling and probably don't have enough, it's the stress of how do I make my next rent payment, car payment, um, buy in things for my kids, put food on the table that I, we, we'd never have to worry about. So I would say that's why I would say we have enough. Yeah, Ethan? Yeah, I have, I have two thoughts on this. Uh, first, I think the idea of do, you, do we have enough is a very broken, bad question. Okay. Um, because I've met people in my neighborhood and on the south side and in Guatemala and on the Crow Agency who have nothing, and they live and act and believe as if they have enough. So, and then for me, I'm too selfish that 40,000 is enough today, but I promise you once you make 100, now your number is 200, and once you make 200, your number just became half a million because we're, we're all, you know, we're human. At least I am. And so your number just keeps going. So how do you, so you draw a line in the sand, but then you get close to that line, you just keep bumping and bumping and bumping. Yeah. I personally don't trust myself to do that. Yeah. So I think my thought is if, if you, you, just, you just have enough to begin with, and then that, the, the natural response to that is empathy, engagement, and generosity, and that can look different for where you're at. If you're living like you have enough, but you actually don't, maybe that looks like asking for help. Yeah. If you're in the middle and you have enough, maybe that looks like being a little bit more intentional about giving your time, talents, and money. Or if you're in the other category, maybe it looks like uh, being reevaluating what sacrificial giving looks like. So do you think <clears throat> that there's value in um, going to an extremity of, Again, you, to use that $40,000 number of drawing some kind of line in the sand because you know yourself and your desire and drive for more and more and more. Do you think there's value in that or do you think that that it isn't helpful and, and wouldn't be a, the most beautiful way forward for you as a person or for the world? Yeah, I mean, hyper practically, I can't think of a better way. To, what I just described is very messy and I'm very type A and black and white. So what I'm exploring and even my wife and I were talking about this afternoon after our morning talk was what's our number? and let's draw the line and see what happens while still maintaining the attitude and belief system. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe both. So, so yes, for you, you've never done it in the past, but it looks like you're, you're going to go for it. I'm, Why? Thi I'm thinking about it. You're thinking about it. Why haven't you gone for it in the past? Because I'm fearful and I'm selfish. Yeah. I, I'm fearful that I work in commercial real estate and we have great months and then we bleed out for a couple months. And so my income is incredibly unpredictable. I also have a bunch of side hustles where I'm constantly dumping money into risky things, and some of them hit, and some of them don't hit. And so having margin, and, and my wife doesn't work, and she's in grad school, and I have four kids. So, like, my monthly amount is, is a lot. Yeah. And so to give away on top of my generosity piece feels like giving away my margin, and that's very scary. Yeah. The other piece, too, is... 
you know, I, I, I live and interact in this weird wealth community, and I see these nice things that they have, and I look and think, I'd like to have a lake house. Mm-hmm. You know, do I need one? No, but you, you start thinking that. Yeah. It tr- trickles into your head. Yeah. So the short of it is you haven't found your life there, but you're exploring the idea of drawing the line in the sand, and you'll report back on how it goes. Yeah. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> Mr. Lindley? Um, <clears throat> yeah, I think uh, the, the biggest challenge for me in that idea is how much of, of where I, I am today has been based on uh, having pushing those goals out there like Ethan talked about. You know, you have a goal and you get close to it and you push it out further and you push it out further and it, and it is a driver, certainly, for me. So um, I, it would be, I think it would be beautiful and I would love to be able to do it. The fear I would have is, would it destroy my motivation um, for the things that, that I do? And, and maybe, it, maybe it wouldn't, but that's... That's where I sit. So because your motivation, I'm going to wait until Ethan reports back. Okay, and then I'll make- <laughs> <laughs> let's all do that. That sounds great. No, but I mean, the idea is that as you talked about last week, if you weren't here last week or listened to the podcast, Andrew kind of shared his story on his drive for more has been a positive thing for himself and for his family. And so the thought of of that going away because you've drawn a line in the sand, you don't know how that's going to go because you've only seen the other side of the equation where it's gone well. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so one of the things that I think it's important to note um, as we uh, kind of look at this together tonight is here are two guys that are successful in in many ways um, successful fathers, husbands, uh, businessmen, and I. The goal tonight is not to try and assume that everybody's on the same level or the same page as these guys in their life and that they're wrestling through the same things that that you're wrestling through. But the reason that for me I think it's important to hear their story and where they're at is because here here are two individuals, honestly, that are kind of doing a lot of really, really great stuff financially uh, for themselves. And the potential for us to always believe that if I could just be where Ethan is or if I could just be where Andrew is, then I'll have enough. Then everything will be okay. Then I can give away, whatever it is. But the reality is they're still feeling and experiencing what I feel and experience, what all of us feel and experience, whether you're in that haves or have-nots category. Would you guys agree with that statement? Would you tweak that statement at all? I didn't say this this morning, so I'm interested. No, in what this you guys is are this, say. thanks yeah. for the curveball. Appreciate yeah, you're it. You're welcome. <clears throat> um, I I guess what I would say is, I think um, no, no matter what my belief is about how I got to where I am today, and if it was luck or if it was a gift, as we spoke about last week, or or at least in some part my own effort towards it, um, <clears throat> I don't think that for a second the things that that I struggle with the thought of, you know, what is enough and how much should I give away, that that is anywhere close to the kind of, uh, I guess, weight that, that people that are in the have-not category carry, yeah. I guess is what I would say. So I would tweak it a bit yeah. to say, I, I think, um, yeah, nobody should feel sorry for me for even half a second. Yeah. Well, no, I bring it up because yeah. you guys, we talked about this beforehand, that the last thing in the world you want to see happen is exactly that. Like, oh, I'm so sorry you have a lot of money, Andy. <laughs> yeah. 
well, it must sucks to be you. Do you have anything to add to that? or? Yeah, I don't think it's the same thing at all. I think if I was in a different position, I'd be like, great, let's trade problems. Your problems <laughs> sound really awesome. Yeah. yeah. But the other thing, too, just like three years ago, I lost my job. My mom died and my wife got pregnant and we were upside down like 200 grand. And at the same time, our attitudes on generosity and we have enough were the same today as they were then. So there's like our, to me, that's the foundation and our circumstances shouldn't change the foundation. Yeah. Okay. So you, both of you um, have enough. Both of you want to see your lives be generous and give away more. How do you monitor that in your life? Um, how do you see yourself um, live out the belief system that you really think is the most beautiful way forward? Uh, for me, it's uh, rigorous, intentional, vulnerable community. So basically sit down with men and my wife and people that I care about and say, this is what I, this is, these are my goals, this is what I want for myself. What do you think? And then have people call me on that. And, just, and then just be hyper-focused on maintaining a level of vulnerability to, to focus on that. The other piece, too, um, is that it's not mine. So one of the things I was shocked, I had a bunch of conversations this afternoon, and people are like, well, that's a cool idea, but like when I give my money to the church, I want to know what they're doing with my money. And when mm -hmm. I give, I can't give my money to a poor person because I don't know what they're going to do with my money. It's like, it's not your money. Like, so if you start from that premise, like the parable of talents, which we talked about a week or two ago, if you're thinking that it's your money, the rest of your thinking system is completely broken. Mm -hmm. So you got to start from the premises like, of, I didn't have this to begin with. I've been entrusted with these things. What am I going to do in response? And I think the only reasonable response is generosity. Uh, for, for me, I would say that what helps me the most, seems to help me the most, is to uh, spend as much time in humility as I can, um, because when you when you do get to a spot um, like like either of us are in, I mean leadership positions and and other things, it can be a huge power trip really quickly. Um, for me, it can at least. Yep. So this is the moment where I talk about CrossFit for a minute. Anybody here? That here CrossFit? we go. I'm sorry, okay. you guys. I tried. <laughs> okay. So so um, Pat Olp. If anybody knows Pat Olp, Pat Olp and I uh, go to the gym together many days a week and 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 that's I, I bring it up because that's definitely for me when the days that I go I mean every day that I go it's just total humility um, it doesn't matter where you fall in life when you're doing the crazy things that that we're told to do whatever comes up that day so so living in that in that humility where it just doesn't it's a level playing field is and being in those places it doesn't matter what position in life you have um, are really good it, it helps me kind of get out of my head a little bit. And the more I can get out of my head, then that, that takes away, I think, some of the, the things Ethan talked about, which I fall into and have a lot in my life, where the more time you spend around people that have more than you have, your brain just clicks. At least for, for me, it does. Like, oh, it, even if you don't immediately think that I want that jet ski. I don't like jet skis, by the way. I've never been on one. <laughs> This morning I asked if jet skis were really still a thing. I didn't even know if they made them. Yeah, Apparently they, they are. Yeah, I don't know. I, I get in mad air. Yeah, Sweet. eating waves all day. <laughs> but, but for me to, if I if I don't uh, continue to find ways to to be humbled, um, and for me it's being humbled. Like 
And that means being in situations where I am obviously not the best at what I'm doing in that moment um, just kind of brings me back down to earth. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> There's something for me about that idea that both of you are kind of pointing at, humility and vulnerability and, and willing to, to recognize that part of ourselves that, that Whoever we surround ourselves with, there's this natural thing that we want to reflect back what we're seeing and what we know is celebrated. And so if, if we're around individuals that are celebrating a certain kind of lifestyle and talking about a certain kind of lifestyle, there's just something natural about us that we, we want to do that same kind of thing. And for me, it's been interesting with Art House, <clears throat> we're in this fundraiser, trying to fundraise $2 million to expand Art House and all that stuff, as many of you know. And so part of my work as the executive director here is to sit with potential donors, people that have the ability to help us reach that goal. And so to go out to, to lunch or dinners with people, and these are incredible people, incredible hearts, incredibly generous, um, but to just hear the conversations that are happening at the dinner table that are like, you know, them talking about, well, this weekend, you know, we're going to go to the Notre, Ga Notre Dame. I can never say Notre Dame, right? Notre Dame opener, season opener, 50-yard line, you know, right, uh, right on the field. And then, you know, we'll probably fly to our, our cabin in Colorado and, and hang out there for a little bit. And next weekend, we're busy. we got to go to France for a couple. Like, it's just like this weird, like, what, what's happening? But I found myself, even in those conversations, like thinking like, oh yeah, I should, I should probably get season tickets for something. And I don't even know what that would be, like lacrosse or, you know, like <laughs> I don't even know what I could afford or what I, but there's just this part of me that wanted to naturally like, well, Kate and I, we should probably go get a property. Maybe Lockwood has something that we could have a vacation home. <laughs> like I just naturally found myself talking about that in a, in a weird, weird way. And I think there's something to that, like that, that we have to be honest about who are we surrounding ourselves with? Like, Andy's talking about like these CrossFit people. There's a humility that's found, and that it's not about the size of your house because all of us feel that pressure. I'm going to get this, and I'm going to go, 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 ride that escalator. The other thing with the vulnerability piece that we've talked about, I think, is interesting. Is there's something fascinating about money that um, we're willing to talk about a lot of different things and be vulnerable about a lot of different things potentially, but the money piece. There's something about if, if their name isn't on the checking account with me, I don't really want to show them that part of my life. I, I don't really want to be honest about where that is. And when we think about relationships and you know marriages, families, the number one argument that we can have is this money piece and vulnerability with money. We want to kind of hide from that a, a little bit and, and not be honest about it. We've talked about, well, what would it look like? And, and I don't know that any of us have the guts to actually do this, but we've talked about it, like the idea of what if there was a place where you just showed up with, here's, here's what my income was, here's what my expenses are. And like there, there's just no games. Like this is just, that's a really uncomfortable thing, no matter how much you make, I think. That's an uncomfortable thing. And so the idea that, that those two tools, I think, who are you surrounding yourself with and, and how vulnerable are you being with certain people in your life about this, I think is one of the only uh, best ways forward, I think. So um, <clears throat> when it comes to people that you know or people that you encounter that don't have enough or maybe someone that um, they, would, they would put themselves in the category of I'm in the have not category, I don't have enough, what would you communicate and what would you say to them as someone that is in the haves category? Uh, for me... Uh, 
in those situations. So what, I, what I've done in the past, uh, a lot of it has not worked well. So I'll tell you what doesn't work. Um, like I said, if it's friends or family, I've had, got into those conversations a lot. I imagine probably a lot of us have. Um, uh, somebody struggling just that month, or, the, or maybe it's, it's a long-term thing. And to get into the um, fixing it sort of thing, lecture, here, you know, here's what you should do, here's a good budget spreadsheet you should use. Um, that just, uh, that's never worked at all. So for me, what has worked better is just to try to, as much as possible, just empathize with where they're at, number one. So to just to understand where they are and that even if it seems like maybe I have a thought that, that they put themselves in that position or maybe it's not as bad as they think, whatever, it, it doesn't really matter um, because where they're at is, is that they're, they're feeling they're in a bad place with it. And then secondly, that if there's anything that I can do to help, whether that's just that listening or if there is something that I can do financially or time-wise or anything else to help um, to do that. Ethan? Yeah, I'd say empathy and action. He just talked about empathy. To me, the piece is, um, like my wife and I are sometimes, even our church, we are looking for ways to help people, which is a kind of a weird idea that, there's so many people that need help, and then, but no one's asking for help. And so instead, we are researching groups, and whoever's asking for help gets the help. And I think for me, like three years ago, as like the man of the house, asking for help was like really damaged my pride and ego, and it was wonderful for me, and I'm glad I had to do it. And God showed up in a way that was way more than I could have ever provided, so it just re, uh, it, it was great. Um, so as, asking for help, and then... Also understand that generosity is not just giving your money. So if you don't have a lot of money, I think generosity and sacrifice comes from giving of what deficit you have. So if you're I'm out of your deficit. So um, so some people it's time, some people it's talents, some people it's money. So if you don't have a lot of money and you're in the have-not category, you know, take some money. What do you have? What do you have? Yeah. You have time. Yeah. So love people with your time. Yeah. I think that's, uh, again, just an interesting point that we've talked about because of the, the money piece and, and the pride piece, I think. Many of us are fearful to give away, to live like we have enough with time, talent, treasure, whatever it is. But we're fearful to do that because what if that day comes when we don't have enough? And, and we had this conversation a couple months ago of like, why, well, you know, I, like you say, like, I want to make sure that I kind of have some reserves just in case and all that stuff. I get that. But there's this interesting thing within the, the, I think, Christian narrative and invitation that we're, we're doing this stuff together. And so we had this conversation of, like, if Matt Blakesley gave away what he had and then the day came, I'm not, I'm not being, you know, unwise in what I'm giving, but the day actually came where I didn't have enough because something happened, the inevitable happened or some, you know, I, I know, I mean, and these guys have looked me in the eye and basically said, like, yeah, we got you. We got you. And I would say that for most people in this room. I, I, I would fully lean in and trust everybody in this room to say, oh, you guys don't have enough? Well, of course, of course, of course, because that's, that's what we're here to do. And, and I think that that's, that's so important for me to just highlight and recognize in my own life that this invitation um, to give and to live with enough is one that is always centered in this Christ-like community for me. 
and, and to find yourself in the same place. That to give what you have, yes, it's beautiful and it's good. And if the day comes when you don't have enough, that you know these people around you, we, we don't just gather because of a talk. We don't just gather because of songs. We gather because it's important to see each other and go, we got you. We got you because this work matters and, and you matter in, in this work with us. Um, so I, I would just echo Ethan on that as well. Like, it's important if there's a need, if there's something going on in your life, that's, that's one of the biggest reasons why we do what we do and why we're here is to say, we got you and we're here for you as best as we can be, as much as we can. So as you can I have one more thing? Yeah. yeah, I think the other thing too is we, we get, especially if you're a type A spreadsheet person like us, you get tricked into thinking, I have to save this money because this plus this equals this. And that's, that's capitalism. That's the world's economy. One thing I've been shocked by is, you know, three years ago I was bankrupt and today we're doing great. And that wasn't because of capitalism. That was because of God's economy and a lot of other weird, messy things. And so in this moment, I should have probably been saving and investing my money frugally, but instead we were generous and we were giving money and time when we didn't really have it. And because of that, weird things have happened in our life. And so I think when you activate this generosity and perspective piece and say, like, I believe what God's saying is true, like, just give it, try it out, see what happens. And when that happens, you can kind of break the model of capitalism and be in a place where you shouldn't be. <clears throat> so as we land the plane tonight, uh, just kind of a quick fire question um, that uh, might create some tension. Um, but I think the tension's good because hopefully it'll create some conversation for us to wrestle through. When it comes to this ideal that the scriptures paint of those that have giving to those that have not, that we all would have together, is this something that you believe is the best way forward? Yeah, for me, the answer is yes. I'm just uh, too fearful and prideful to actually do it. So I'm uh, even, I spent a lot of time this afternoon thinking about if I really believe it, and why am I not doing it? So I'm like even in this moment wrestling with, mm -hmm. you know, I just talked about God's economy and how great it was, and now I'm telling you I'm struggling to do what I just talked about. So, <laughs> so yeah, I I do. I'm just, I just think it's hard. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm wrestling with it a ton too. Um, I I fall on the no side generally, and the reason that I do, and and I've been wrestling with this since this morning too is is uh generally because uh i mean i would um, for the most part most days i'm agnostic mm -hmm. so um you know what ethan talks about and kind of leaning into the scriptural side of things is hard for me to do um like i, I uh, because it's hard for me to to commit to that being the the total uh unequivocal truth so generally i would say no, in the sense that it, it feels like not as the as the number one. Everybody's equal. Yeah, helping those in need, but not necessarily the equalization piece. Yeah. So, here are two guys. Uh, these are both leaders within our community, and um, I think again, it's important to recognize doing something that's incredibly uncomfortable um, to talk about this, to be candid and honest about this. Um, but I think it matters, and it's important. And wherever you land on this topic and, and wherever you are in the enough category, I think here are two guys that, um, that all of us can see part of ourselves in, independent of how much you make or what that is, that all of us can see 
this wrestling match and and to just recognize that. So let me just say thanks to these guys for coming and sharing and being a part of their yeah. <clears throat> they're morning people, so I mean they they are they're up late tonight because usually you guys go to bed at like six or seven. I can't remember. Yeah. Okay. Anyways. Hey, as as we close tonight, um we come to this table that we uh revolve our gathering around. And it's a table with bread, bread broken and a cup shared. A table that represents the body of Christ broken and the blood of Christ shed. A story of Christ breaking himself open and pouring himself out for the suffering of the world. And this is, a, this is an invitation and this meal for me. Um, more than just a, yeah, I did it, check a box and go on with my life. It's a continual invitation into this wrestling match. Um, the last thing in the world we want this community and this space to be is, again, something where we put something on the screen and we go, yeah, cool, we believe it. And then we, and we walk out of this place and, and none of that is actually impacting our heart and lives. None of it is actually impacting the world around us. And so maybe there's a disconnect and maybe we really don't believe those things. And whatever it is, that's okay. What we think matters and what we think is significant is this wrestling match. Because there are people in this room, there are people around us that do not have enough. And, and we want to figure out, we want to wrestle through, how does this story of Christ impact the way that we choose to break ourselves open and pour ourselves out for the suffering of the world? That's a worthy wrestling match. And to work to see that those in need have enough. And that those that have enough, those of us that have enough, that we are not giving, living our life on an escalator, but that we're finding ourselves seeing those in need around us and caring for them, that we have something to give. And as Ethan said, whether that's time or that's talent, maybe whether that's finances, whatever it is, that there was potentially something in your hands. And that's what this meal uh, is for me this evening. And so we're going to play a song and just invite everyone, all are welcome to this table, to come take a piece of bread, dip it in the cup. And maybe to help you wrestle through this on an individual level, we're going to throw uh, some of the questions that I asked Andy and Ethan up on the screen and invite you maybe personally to wrestle through what does this look like in your life personally? Again, wherever you are on any kind of economic scale, what does it look like? And whenever you're ready, feel free to come forward and partake, and then we'll close our time. God, some of us in this room have spent um, a good chunk of our life holding up this ideal of generosity, of giving to those in need around us. But um, practically not seeing it happen on an increasing level. And God, for some of us in this room, it's because we don't have enough. And so this table is a recognition that we are a part of a body, the body of Christ, and that part of that work is to be honest with our needs and to understand that the people around us, sitting next to us, um, that we're here tonight because we want to be a part of that same body. We want to be a part of that work. God, some of us in this room, if we're honest, we do have enough. And um, for the sake of fear or anxiety, um, we don't see this increasing generosity in our life. We, we seem to be focused on a lot of other things. And so, God, w would we, um, as individuals, um, 
we would just commit to continue to wrestle this through and work to find the most beautiful way forward. We believe that this matters. God, I'm grateful for this community and the people in this room and our ability to wrestle through this together. We love you. In the name of Christ, we pray. We say together. Amen. Well, as you go tonight, um, I say it at, at uh, the end of every week, but if there's anything that we can do for you, um, we really mean it, whatever, however. Um, for some of us, it's not a financial thing at all. For some of us, it's emotional, it's relational, whatever it is. Uh, it's always awkward to raise your hand and say, man, I'm, I, I need something. And, man, um, that's why we do what we do. So if there's anything we can do for you, please let us know. For some of you uh, tonight, um, would invite you to be a part of this community, maybe for the first time on uh, a financial level. Uh, this is something we don't talk about all the time because there's a lot of baggage for us with stuff like this. But we as a community are trying to give away more and more and more and uh, to help those in need around us. And the way that that works, the vision, is that all of us bring what we have to the table uh, within that. So for some of you, we'd invite you. Maybe there's giving boxes in the back and to be a part of it on that level. Or um, you can go to our website if you want. If it's easier to give digitally or to set up a reoccurring gift, you can do that on our website. But our hope, our invitation is be a part of this story with us as we try to give away more and more and more. Thank you so much for being here tonight. As always, feel free to hang out for a while. Uh, we'll, we'll purchase something from the bar, free popcorn, coffee, and water.